Blog Talk Radio. I'm Timber Dalton, intelligent but dirty. Um, it is, uh, what is today, April 28th, 2011. Those of you who are in the chat room are going to have a slight time delay on listening. Um, for those of you who are listening after the fact, who downloaded this, we do have a live chat room that pops up during the show, and so you'll hear um, us interacting with uh, people in the chat room from time to time. Um, first of all, real quick note, um, Thoughts and prayers go out to those uh, affected by the tornadoes uh, yesterday. It was horrible. The death toll right now, I think, is getting close to 200, and God knows how many have lost their homes. So, uh, seriously, good wishes, good prayers. If you can spare five bucks or ten bucks to send to Red Cross or one of the other agencies, do so. A lot of times you can just do it right through your uh, cell phone, so it doesn't even involve you having to get out a credit card or anything. So, if you can do it, do so. And that out of the way, tonight my guest is author uh, Michelle Zerlo. Hello, how are you? Hello, I am doing great. It's great to have you on here. Um, you've got a new book coming out here uh, fairly quickly, don't you? Or is it is it that it's already out and it's going to be released in Kindle? Yes. Well, I have one that came out at the end of March and one that will be out in about a week and a half. Okay. Um, let's see. Now, the one coming out in a week and a half, that's your, the second one in your daughter's – now, is it, I'm sorry, is it Daughters of Circe or is it Daughter of Circe? Circe. Circe. Okay, and that's uh, Desiree, correct? Yeah. Ooh. And then, um, let's see. Now, I'm sorry, the one – my notes are swimming in front of me here. The one that you had come out at the end of March, which one was that? That was – that was Time to Pretend, the fourth one in the Awakening series. Ah, okay. Now, um, why don't you tell people about the one that you had come out in March? Let's start with that one because we got plenty of time here. So let's let's get as much in on your books as you can because you're you're a pretty proficient writer. You're you're starting to make a name for yourself. So let's hear about your one for March. Okay, um, Time to Pretend is the fourth one in my Awakening series, and it actually happens right after the second book, um, and it features the second book was Hanging On, and in that book, the main character's brother had a date that went bad, mm-hmm. and Time to Pretend basically picks up on that date that went bad um, with those two characters, and it, it basically tells their story. And... Um, Daniel is Sophia's sister, Sophia's from Hanging On, and uh-huh. he likes this older woman. And he sees her every week because she does some charity work at his karate studio. And he he just he doesn't know how to approach her, especially after that really bad date. Uh-huh. So, and then she's about 10 years older than him, and... She likes him, but, you know, she's kind of looking at him like there's no way this is going to happen. He's way too young for me, and we don't get along that well anyway. So there are some sparks there, and then 
on the other side of that, Daniel has had a relationship with his best friend, Evan, since he was in high school. Mm-hmm. And they kept it hidden. So Daniel is kind of at a crossroads where he's trying to decide exactly what he wants to do with his life. Evan is pressuring him to make a decision because he's getting to the point where he wants to settle down with one person and, you know, just kind of have his happily ever after. And so Daniel says, well, why don't we try the three of us together? And Evan, he's on board with it. Not so much at the beginning, but he once he meets her and he falls in love with her, um, he, he definitely gets on board with it. And then the main conflict comes because Daniel is still insisting that he keep his relationship with Evan quiet. Even mm-hmm. They don't even tell Alina about it. So how, how did you get the idea for this book? Or did, is it just one of those things that just came to you or... or do you have any, I mean, was it just, was it something that had been floating around in your head for a while, or? No, th- this book was really hard to write. I started writing it um, actually about a year before I finished it. I, I started it not long after um, hanging, I finished writing Hanging On. Um, and I couldn't get past. I couldn't get very far into it because I couldn't figure out what Daniel's problem was. And it took me, gosh, probably a good seven or eight months before I figured out that he had the secret he was hiding. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's Mm -hmm. the problem. And once I figured out what the problem was, then the rest of the book came fairly easily together. Mm -hmm. Now, when when you write, do you find that you're – do you – plot your books out, or are you more of a pantster for writing? Yeah, I'm more of a pantster. Usually I'll get an idea for, like, an opening scene or a character or maybe even a conflict, and Mm -hmm. then I try to flesh out what happens around that. And sometimes I can get a complete story fairly quickly, and other times I just kind of write what looks good to me and and hope it goes somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, is being a writer something that you always wanted to do, or is this something that kind of just, I mean, you just sort of fell into it? Because I know some people are like, I I was the kind of person, I always wanted to be a writer, but I know there's some people that kind of come into it later in life. So how did you uh, get into it? Well, I used to want to go into writing when I was in high school. I took a lot of writing classes. And then when I went to college, I kind of lost my way. I I took the long way through college. I had eight majors. I went to three colleges. Um, I took seven years to graduate. Um, and I ended up with a degree in education. And uh-huh. so I I just stopped writing. I just I didn't do it for many, many years. And then um, a student of mine, actually, won uh-huh. a national contest, an essay contest, and one of his prizes, he won a laptop for him, and a laptop for me. And when I got the laptop, I didn't quite know what to do with it because it was a basic laptop. It didn't have any games or anything on it. It pretty much just had a Word program Uh um, and and the Internet. And where I lived at the time, we we, we just didn't get the Internet. So, Uh and then combined with that, um, 
he got, because it was all tied in with Jackie Robinson's, um, the 40th anniversary of his breaking the color barrier in baseball kind of thing, his daughter came out to our school and she did this whole big presentation. I was having a conversation with her. And she mm-hmm. said, well, I didn't publish my first book until I was in my 40s. And at the time, I was in my 30s. And um, I don't know why I still am, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I kind of looked at it. She said, she said it's never too late to follow your dreams. And I thought, you know what? What a wonderful life lesson. And so, I sat down with my new laptop and I started writing books. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see. I'm trying to think because we've. I I I love talking to fellow writers because I I usually end up going off on these other tangents because it's I don't. I get sick in my writing cave. I don't. This is my full time day job, so I don't get a chance to associate with other writers in real life. Sometimes so I get kind of like, it's like, ooh, kid in a candy shop. I get to talk to them. Um, <laughs> the, um, when you're when you're writing, do you have like any particular kind of a routine that you use, or do you have any type of music that you need, or or do you need like silence to write, or how do you how do you squeeze your writing time in? Um, I get up about five o'clock in the morning, and so sometimes I go swimming at the Y, and sometimes I write before I go to work. Um, I I sometimes get time after work, after my kids go to bed. I sometimes get some time. I don't have any kind of regular writing schedule. I kind mm-hmm. of mostly on the weekends because I still get up my normal time, and they sleep in until about 8, so I get about three hours on the weekends before they get up each day. And that's and then, you know, of course, the summers, I get the summers off, so I get a lot of time over the summer to write, and that's when the most of my writing gets done. But I don't, I don't have a routine, um, and as far as um, music, I can't, I can't deal with silence. So I can't write when it's quiet. I can't read when it's quiet. I have trouble right. thinking when it's quiet. So, That's me. Um, yep. I will have music on or I will have just the TV kind of droning in the background because I just need some kind of noise. Mhm. Yeah, I'm the same way. I can't write with quiet. I have to have music either to fit the mood or I have to have the TV on or something because I just I can't do silence. That's just... It totally uh it totally throws me. Um let's see here. Um when you when you first got your first your very first publishing contract, what what was your first book that you had published? The first book was Letting Go. Mhm. And that was and so with that, Siren? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well Siren's had all my books. Mhm. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, that was the first in the Awakening series. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I remember being kind of, I just stared at it for a really long time trying to figure out, you know, what actually was going on with that. Because I had been shopping around Letting Go for probably a year, mm-hmm. and not consistently, you know, because I have a job and I have a family, and so... I would get like a burst of energy where I would shop it around for like two weeks and then I wouldn't do anything for like three months and then I might, you know, submit it for a couple more places for a couple weeks and then nothing for six months. So it took me about a year um, to get that published. But 
uh, when I got the acceptance from Siren, I, I checked, it was an email, and I was checking it during my conference hour at work. And uh-huh. so I stared at it, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I sent a text off to my sister, and I, and, you know, and I told my wife, and, um, and then I graded papers. <laughs> now, do you, have you do your coworkers? Now, there's a thing. I don't know if you're aware of the thing recently going around where there was a teacher that was, you know, outed by a parent for for writing um, romance and erotica. But do, do your fellow teachers know what you do? Or oh, oh yeah, <laughs> they know. <laughs> they definitely know what I do. I am very lucky that I work with an exceptional staff, and we're all pretty close. And so, you know, they not necessarily that most of them read it. Um, but mm-hmm. they've been very supportive and encouraging, and you know they congratulate me and stuff like that. So they're they're um, they're very good about it. Mm-hmm. My um, and the the parents, I think a lot of them actually know. Um, some of them are my friends. I I live in the community where I work. You know, mm-hmm. my kids go to school with some of their kids, and so you know. Um, I haven't had that kind of reaction where people were very negative about it. Uh-huh. You know, either they were they were kind of like congratulations, or they were like, "Oh, okay, that's nice." <laughs> yeah, I've I found out there was at first I was I kind of had this thing. People say, oh, "What do you do?" I'm a writer. What do you write? Um, books. And <laughs> and finally now I'm at the point. It's like, "What do you write?" Oh, erotica. And they're like. Oh, they're either like oh or oh. <laughs> There's usually <laughs> two reactions, and I'm like, it, I, I finally am at the point where I'm like, I could care less if they know because I'm I'm fortunate enough though that I don't have to worry about you know issues that a lot of people do, and and it's even funny because my mother, I caught her once we were out to dinner with them, and at the restaurant where we're at, the local place that they all go to all the time, and and whatever friends was there, and she, I caught her leaning over, she goes. Yeah, she writes these these books. They're they're really racy. Is as timber. It's spelled T Y M. So she's like pimping me out. But it's like she's whispering, so nobody can hear her pimping. Now she doesn't read most of my stuff, but she pimps me out. So I was like, okay, well that's cool. I'll accept that. She doesn't like saying, why do you write? I mean, I think she's just glad that I'm you know gainfully employed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's it's kind of it's funny how different. You know, there's the whole spectrum out there. Some of us are. You know, we can. Yeah, you know, we can be open like that. It's cool that you're able to be open like that with with what you do, and you don't have to worry about that kind of. Ooh, I gotta hide what I do. Um, yeah, I, mean, I know the my when when my mom first bought my book because she wouldn't buy them till they came out in paperback. Because she tried it to read it on a computer, and she just said she did a neck injury, and she just said I can't look at a computer screen. I just can't do it. So. Mm-hmm. She bought my books, and I actually didn't think she would read them, even in paperback. I thought she would just have them. She mm-hmm. reads them, and oh. then she wants to discuss them with me. Oh, <laughs> and I oh, <laughs> and I remember the first the first time she read Letting Go, and she goes, and I you know, and I and I just kept thinking in the back of my head, oh my God, she's gonna think the mom is her. Oh no, and that was my biggest fear, and so. <laughs> You know, as we're discussing, I realized she didn't. She didn't think the mom was her. I'm like, thank goodness, because mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't actually base any of those characters on people I know. Oh, good. Um, you know, <laughs> and she 
she liked I know. She liked the story and she had very positive things to say about it and you know, she has a clear favorite of all of my books so far, so um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, then, that, you know. I, I don't know what I do because my mom doesn't read my most of my stuff. I mean, she'll read, like, if I have anything that's straight, um, you know, contemporary or, like, my light romance, she reads that. But she won't read the, you know, the GLBT or the BDSM stuff. And I did have to kind of sidestep it because she, she doesn't know a lot. So she had a, I had to sidestep a question of why do I keep bolt cutters in my car? She's like, do you have a side job I don't know I don't know about? And I was kind of like, um, not exactly. But there's a reason I keep bolt cutters in my car. They're kind of safety equipment. And she's like, you know, she says like, yeah, I was kind of sidestepping that question. I'm kind of glad my mom doesn't want to have questions about some of the stuff I write because that could could lead to some really awkward questions. Like, how much do you really want to know about my research? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Her questions have more to do with character motivation and, you know, did this person have a really bad childhood kind of thing? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, she doesn't, she uh, hasn't asked me those questions yet. I hope she never does, but, and she's yeah. probably listening. I'll ask this mom. <laughs> and, um, oh, well, hey, hi, mom. <laughs> hi, hi, Michelle's mom. <laughs> I hope she's listening. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it really is cool, though, that you've got a supportive family because, I know so many writers um, out there I've heard complain that, like, you know, their their spouse or partner isn't like, oh, you know, they say, well, you know, they they don't give me time to write or time to myself or da-da-da. So it, it really is good that you have a supportive family. I mean, that, that's so important to a writer's success. I mean, that is so cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you know, and then I I try to schedule my writing times for times you know, that don't take away from my family so that I'm still, you know, I go to my kids' soccer games and swimming lessons and all that kind of stuff and, you know, that I still write. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, so what what have you liked most about um, being a writer? What have you found that really that's that maybe you didn't even expect necessarily? I guess what I found that I really didn't expect was that uh, I actually affected people's lives and I never really thought that I that I would in that way. I mean, you know, in my other job I affect people's lives all the time and I'm kind of used to that, but I never thought, you know, I was just kind of writing something for entertainment purposes just because it's kind of fun to do. And, you know, then you get a letter from someone saying, wow, you really changed my life or, mm-hmm. you know, you saved my marriage or something like that. And you think, wow, there wasn't really thinking along those lines when I wrote that. Mm-hmm. That's cool, though. That's that's very cool. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, what did you do when you got your first fan mail? Did Do you, re- do you recall that? or I mean, does that, do you have any memory of that or... Well, I kept it. Um, I I read it, like, over and over and over, and, you know, I got the warm, fuzzy feelings. And then I wrote back and said thank you and all those kinds of things because, you know, I don't – I think if someone takes the time to write to me, I'm definitely going to take the time to, you know, say thank you at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, I you know, and I told – you know, I told I told my wife and I told my friends, and I'm like, hey, I got fan mail, and – that was funny, so I didn't. <laughs> That's neat. Um, so, what is your what is your favorite genre to write? I mean, 
overall? I mean, what what do you what what kind of you, you just settle into it real easy and you like it and just seems to to flow really naturally for you? Probably the easiest is just is contemporary because you're writing what you know, and I set my contemporary stuff, you know, kind of where I live in this community in you know, places where I lived in Michigan. I've lived in Michigan my whole life, but in, Mm -hmm. you know, different places. And so my contemporaries all, it's all there. I remember once I got an edit um, where, and and I believe it was from Time to Pretend, where I mentioned a really, really badly laid out um, exit on a freeway, and the editor said, well, you better make sure this is accurate or, um, you know, or, or just change it to general terms. And I'm like, anyone who's driven there is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I do that, too. I, I said a lot of, well, most of my stories are set either in Florida where I mean, I was born and raised here in Florida, native Floridian, and um, I've, you know, been out to Yellowstone a couple of times now, and I love Yellowstone, so I've set a couple out there out west, and I have some more planned for out there, too. So uh, it, it it really is easy to write what you know, even if you're not writing exactly that. It, it's less research in some ways. I mean, it's you, and you know that you can get stuff right and not have people writing you going, well, that was wrong. You got that totally screwed up when you wrote that, and... <laughs> Because <laughs> I like I like to get my stuff as right as possible. Um, let me take a real quick here for people who are listening to us after the fact. This is Orlingus with Timber Dalton, and uh, my guest tonight is uh, author Michelle Zerlo. And you can find her on the web at www. Michelle Zerlo, and that's spelled M I C H E L E Z U R L O dot com. Um, she's also on Facebook, and Facebook link is on her website. And um, she's a fellow Siren Book Strand author, and she's got her newest book coming out. The Daughters of Okay, I'm going to screw this up again. Daughters of Circe, Circe, yes. Daughters of Circe, um, Desiree, um, coming in uh, May May 11th. That's my birthday. Woohoo! Happy birthday to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good get that uh, pre-bought. Um, and uh, then the book three in the series is coming. Uh, Riley is coming in July. Um, okay, so tell us about um tell us about Desiree. Tell us about that book. Okay, so Desiree is the second in the Daughters of Circe trilogy and the premise behind the trilogy is that Circe, um, the original Circe where I got the idea from, was a sorceress in the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And I always she was the one who turned all the men into pigs. And so I always felt <laughs> that that because it. men were telling history, that they probably got it wrong and blamed her and made it all seem to be her fault when it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so in my mythology here, um, Circe is, she, and, and she is literally the daughter of the sun, she had this island that she made kind of exist just a little bit outside of reality and, you know, she lived there for many, many years, and she had her her husbands, and she had her daughters, and things like that. And um, the first book, uh, Torment, was the, was, the, was the one daughter who she didn't remember being born again, 
but her werewolf did. I think I'm getting ahead of myself. So mm-hmm. in this mythology, eventually all of her daughters had their soulmates, and then when everything was destroyed, Cersei had to kind of try to hold them together, and the way she did that was she turned all the men into werewolves, and Ooh. she gave her daughters the gift of reincarnation and remembering their past lives. And so what they have to do is they have to reunite with their lost loves, and then they have to get 13 of them together, and then they have to kind of perform this ritual ceremony to bring Cersei back so that she can kind of break the whole curse that keeps them apart and having to go through life after life and things like that. Um, And so in Torment, the main character, Tori, she she does what she's supposed to do. You know, she gets her wolf and she goes off and does what she's supposed to do. And so Desiree is kind of the last one. And in the book, Desiree, you get a lot more of the backstory. You find out how this happened, how this all came about. It ends up it it's it's kind of, you know, um Desiree has has three lovers. It's it's one of the, it's one of her lovers, it's his fault <laughs> that mm-hmm. all of this happened. And so in the book Desiree, she has to not only find them and convince them to be with her, she has to come to terms with the fact that he destroyed their little kind of, you know, piece of heaven on earth, their little Eden, um, and and gave them basically 3,000 years of not being able to be together. Mm-hmm. So and now then what, Riley... Oops, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask, what was what's Riley about? <laughs> <laughs> Riley is the conclusion of that because what happens is between Desiree and Tori and the daughters they have, um, they end up having enough people to do the ceremony and so the the story of Riley, Riley is in the first book Torment, she's Tori's biological sister but she's not a daughter of Cersei and um, in the fourth book it's where it comes together where you have Cersei who is Riley and Mm -hmm. that's actually not a secret so it's not a spoiler Um, Uh she doesn't know it right at the beginning but it comes out within the first couple of chapters um, and she has to find her three lovers. Well, she didn't make them all werewolves. She made one a wolf to watch over the werewolf. One exists only in the spirit world, and one kind of walks half in both the spirit world and the real world. And so she has to find all three of them, and they have to, you know, come together and um, break the curse. And so that's what Riley's about. Mm-hmm. So, um, are you, have you had any, I know when I have a series, I always have readers pop up and they'll go, well, you really should write a book about character so-and-so, which in my mind, I'd never really thought about them having a book, but then every once in a while, I said, well, yeah, I wonder if they do have a story. Have, have you had any readers popping up with, with requests like that for this series? Not for the Daughters of Cersei, but for the Awakening series, it's a little more successful. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually had several requests. I had, after letting go, I had a request. Someone wanted Sophia's story, which I had already written for Hanging On. And then mm-hmm. after that, I had a request for um, Danny's story, which came out in Time to Pretend. And I actually, 
almost stopped writing that story because it was so frustrating, but I ended up getting three separate requests um, Mm -hmm. for this story. So I felt that I kind of owed it to people to uh, try to figure out what his story was. And so really I think that's the only reason I finished that one. And then just a couple of weeks ago um, someone asked me, they didn't ask for a specific character, but they wanted a a number five in the Awakening series, and I, I don't currently have one planned. Oh, uh oh. So so now you're gonna have um you're gonna have fans going, Please, please, please <laughs> Um I might, but I'm working on two different series right now and I you know, I wanna get those going. Mhm. Oh, I I know that. It's it's hard to juggle series. I'm under that same uh I got that same thing going on right now. Um let's see here. I'm trying to I like to I like to try to cover the whole the whole gamut here. Um, oh, in the chat room, I ha- AJ asked a few minutes ago about when you were talking about the interstate exit. You must be talking you must be talking about the M fifty nine slash seventy five exit. Is that correct? <laughs> that one's bad too. Um, no, I was talking about six ninety six and um, Main Street in Royal Oak. Okay, type that in there. In Royal Oak. So for AJ can see that in case – because the chat room's on a slight time delay, so I like to – when I have an answer like that, sometimes I like to type it in for them so they don't have to wait for it. Um, let's see here. Uh, going through my notes here. Um, let's see. Well, have you do you have any plans for any books outside the series that you're currently working on now that you've got like cuz I know I usually have ideas that I'm juggling in the back of my head at any given time other than the stuff that's already active but do you have anything else right now that you're uh that you're you're possibly thinking about working on that you could tease uh tease the listeners with Um yes and it's actually the reason that I finished the Daughters of Circe series and the Awakening series, because I'm actually working on two different series right now. One is one is called Deep Cover Down, and Ooh. it's kind of like it takes a romantic um, suspense twist, and it's about these agents that go undercover, and um, they're dams. And so in the, mm-hmm. I'm actually about halfway done with the first one in the series, and um, it's about uh, a woman who she falls for this guy, and he's a dom, and that's what she's looking for. But her previous dom, who was her fiancé, is missing, and she uh-huh. knows that he's been murdered. And this guy is going undercover, um, and he's kind of his mission. His his mission is to kind of use her to get to the people who are who murdered him, but uh-huh. he's. She's she's kind of a suspect mm-hmm. because you know she was very close to him, and so there's lots of layers of um, intrigue here. And when she finds out who he really is, it you know things don't go well from there. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. so BDSM. So I I love BDSM stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So do I. <laughs> yes. Now, um, have, is there? I haven't read all of your books yet. Now, are there? Is there BDSM in any of your other books, or is this going to be your first uh, foray in the BDSM? I think 
the only one of my books that doesn't have elements, I mean, my mainstream stuff doesn't, but the only one of my books that doesn't have elements is Time to Pretend. I actually kind of went the other way with that, and my characters actually kind of make fun of BDSM. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a scene in there where um, Daniel handcuffs Elena to himself. Mm -hmm. She's going to leave. She's going to go home because it's the middle of the night, and um, he doesn't want her to leave, so he handcuffs them together. And Daniel's sister is a dom, and she had given him the handcuffs and said, here, maybe you can hang on to her this time. And, yeah. um, <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Now, how do you uh, how do you do your research? Do you do real-life research, or do you just basically have you just, you know, done a lot of online research and talking to people or or have you do you have any good uh funny stories of I've, i invariably run into writers when they're researching bdsm they usually have at least one funny story about the research that they've done whether it's something they've experienced in real life or something they've found out you know by doing the research or talking to somebody do you have any interesting stories about that or <laughs> um i don't know who would find them interesting but i know i I didn't research it, so I, we, you know, my partner and I, my wife and I, we, we practice that, and ah. so, yeah, and I'm, so I'm always, a I'm lot of ask outright because some people aren't comfortable admitting if they are in the lifestyle or not. So, so oh okay. no, That's I'm I'm point. comfortable. We're we're pretty light compared to others. I mean, I, I know some people who are much heavier into it, and so like. When I write something heavier, like Two Masters for Samantha, was very it was very heavy. Um, in that, and it's and it was pretty unrealistic in a, in a in a lot of sense for you know the way people actually live their lives. Right. But um, for that, you know, I have friends, and I you know say, hey, in this situation, what exactly would happen here? Because, mm-hmm. you know, my everyone's experience is different because there's no, like, set rules. You kind of you do what you want to do. Exactly. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a huge misconception, I think, out there by people who are vanilla that, okay, everybody is these bunch of freaks and they're doing all this, and no, most people are normal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, relatively speaking, normal is normal as any person can be. I mean, Normal is a setting on a washing machine, in my opinion. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> like I, I've known I've known doctors and lawyers, and I mean, you know, government workers, and you know, law enforcement and military, and I mean, people that you wouldn't, you know, in their day life. I mean, they're just they're they're totally. I mean, you wouldn't tell them apart from anybody else. There's no like you know F for freak on their forehead or anything like that, and. You know, it's just it, that's that's one of the reasons why I don't have like to have deep discussions with my mother about my books, and I'm glad she doesn't read most of my books. But, um, yeah, I mean, because I've I've talked about here. In fact, I had Mr. Blackie on on the one show I did about BDSM a couple of months back. Um, who's a, a close friend of ours, and who's um, <clears throat> um now uh, <laughs> looks like somehow I went from being dominant to being a switch <laughs> with him. Um, but yeah, it, it it's really, the, the, a lot of people don't understand the lifestyle. It, the bottom line, it's about trust and respect. And I think a lot of people don't think, they think, oh, it's about sex, 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 sex. And it's, yeah, there's elements of that in it, but it, it, 
the the bottom line is you have to trust the person that you're dealing with because that's where the foundation of BDSM is is trust. Yeah. Right. And right. Um, well, and there's so much about it that's not sexual. Mhm. Exactly. And, I, and 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 that, of course, as as a friend of mine said, was when people read books, though, they want the fantasy. Right. They don't want, you know, the kid who has the nightmare in the middle of the night or, you know, the sick relative who needs you or, you know, the washing machine overflowing. That that happens. Or, <laughs> you know, or the but, dog the dog yakking in the middle of something or the bird sitting there going, good girl, good girl, while you're getting <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, my bird, that's one of her things that she says, good girl, and there's nothing like being in the middle of the scene and all of a sudden your bird's going, good girl, good girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> little little slices of life like that that, you know. Oh, yeah. But, but I never put that in a book because that would just make it a comedy. Yeah, well, I, I in Safe Harbor, I had a dog that's a little, a little you know, teacup Yorkie that stole sex toys. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah but that was funny. I did read that book. I remember that. That was funny. Yeah, that was Safe Harbor. Yeah, that was, uh, and that dog was actually based on a real dog that that the pet store I go to. They had this old teacup Yorkie, and I just love that little dog. And I just I wrote him into the book. I mean, he's, the fictional part was him stealing things, but my dogs steal things. My dogs love to try to steal toys. So it's uh, yeah, it's all it's fun having dogs that that think, ooh, ooh, that looks like a chew toy. No, that's not a chew toy. <laughs> At least it's not a chew toy for you. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Or when you think the kids asleep, but they can't. They they want to use your bathroom, and you're not quite watching what you're doing. And they're like, "What's that?" And you're like, "Oh, get out of there!" <laughs> the toy rocket in the drawer. I said that the old joke. Oh. Yeah. The toy rocket in the drawer. I, um. <laughs> I think my daughter asked for probably two months. If she could, she's like, "What were those toys?" And I'm like, "Not for you." <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love it. Yeah, the the joys of real life. That's that's the funny thing, and and that's I I actually enjoy. I tend to to write the the more realistic. So, I mean, yeah, there's I put fantasy elements in there, obviously, but I like to write things because as a as a reader, I tend to, when I'm reading, you know, a contemporary BDSM, if there's something in there I know that won't work in real life, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not right. Um, like some mm-hmm. one of the books I read, somebody was actually suspended from regular handcuffs. I'm like, yeah, that's a broken wrist right there, yeah, and I almost threw yeah. the wall, things like that. And I've seen things at parties like a friend of ours, we have this one friend who's huge, he's like over six, seven, you know, he's like six and a half feet tall, huge, big military guy. Well, then there's this little teeny woman that, that he bottoms to sometimes, and she's literally like not barely five feet tall in heels. I mean, barely, if that. And he was like picking her up one day, and he almost threw her into the ceiling. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> you know, we're like, you know, raising the, try to make sure she didn't like have a concussion or anything. And I mean, you know, I've seen people faint. I've seen rigging break. I've seen, you know, toys break and and you know, so it, it's funny, and I and I I usually have friends going, "Is that going to make it into a book?" And they're like, "Hopeful." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if you're nice to me, maybe. If you're mean to me, I'll kill you in a book, you know, because I've killed people off." <laughs> you know, 
that's 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 one of the fun parts of my job. Is I that's one of my running jokes. It's like never piss off the writer because I'll kill you in a book. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, and one thing I found my CPA told me that because of what I write, um, uh, sex toys are uh, deductible expenses. My, my CPA oh, told I me. Did not. Good yes. to know. Yes, if it's, I mean, if you can show the IRS that you wrote that book and that was in a book, that's a deductible research expense. <laughs> wow, I have a lot of deductions. Yeah. I do. Too. <laughs> I, this was my first when I filed my taxes this year because you know last year I had my first book published, so this was my first year as a writer, and I gave it to my accountant and I said, okay, here's my you know extra income. He goes, oh no, this is a business. Mm-hmm. He goes, and you get to deduct expenses. You get to deduct, you know, your website fees, your printer mm-hmm. ink. And he was naming all the stuff, and I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. I never would have thought of that. Yeah, your home <laughs> office expenses, yep, yep. All sorts of all sorts of nifty stuff, yep. <laughs> that, was, oh, yeah. that was exceptionally nice to find out. Mm-hmm, yep. I mean, in the, and there's a lot of uh, yeah. Olga in the chat room just wrote, "Woohoo! Tax deductible toys." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Any you know computers and you know in in my case because I am fully work at home. I mean, I've got obviously, and I've been working at home for several years when I was writing non fiction and computer tutorials and stuff before I was able to do the fiction full time. I mean, so I've got. You know, I've got a section of my my living room that is designated my home office area, and you know, so yeah, there's all sorts of like my cell phone expenses that I'm using because I'm constantly on the internet on my cell phone, and you know, I have oh, air yeah. cards that I use. So yeah, I mean, you have to be able to prove. It. I mean, you have to be able to show, okay, this is how I use it. And and ironically, I do very little talking on my cell phone. I actually prefer, you know, texting and email. And I have a Droid, so I'm constantly. I had a BlackBerry before, and now I have a Droid, and I'm like, you know, Droid X. And I'm, I that's, you know, if I'm not at home, I mean, literally the things attached to my hip because I need to be able to to be online or answer emails or, you know, so so over 75 percent of what I use it for actually is, you know, I can show it's work related. My uh, um, my internet, uh, I have cable internet, so a fraction of that is deductible to business expense, part of our, um, you know, electricity, you know, things like that. There's, yeah, definitely make sure you sit down with a, with your, yeah, I would, I would go with a CPA next year if you, if you didn't have an actual Oh, yeah, CPA. no, we did, we did. Yeah, yeah. He came to our house and everything. It was uh-huh. nice because where we, we moved into this, we just moved last year into a house that, of course, is still kind of in the country and there's no internet out here. So we got a hotspot and, mm-hmm. you know, basically got the Internet so I could put up my website. That's all mm-hmm. I use it for. And so right. he said, you know, a portion of that was deductible too. And I was like, well, good, because that's why I got it, so I could put up a website. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that when they're, you know, you keep track of everything, even things like we had to do our roof last year um, when I, I redid all my floors and a portion of that was because it was, I was told it has to be whole house, you know, anything whole house you can do. I mean, you can't like just paint one room that's not the room and deduct that. I mean, if it's something that applies to the whole house that affects your workspace, like, you know, a roof, a floor, 
you know, things like that, then you can deduct part of that as an expense. I'm like, yes, the new roof is partially deductible in addition to the earned interest credit thing that we get. Yay! I don't have to well, sit there with a bucket over my head, so it doesn't, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff that, um, I mean, there's there's things that I wouldn't, like little penny any stuff that I, I would not, um, you know, try to deduct just because you don't want to go over. But like when you're your normal off, you know, office expenses, you know, equipment expenses, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm usually going through a laptop every other year, at least. That's my average because I use exclusively, I can't write on a desktop anymore. I have to have a laptop just because between my back and my fibro and my, you know, family in Tampa, that's, you know, 90 minutes away. So I'm constantly back and forth. Here. So I have to have a, I have to be portable. So I'm going, I literally use my, my laptops like a desktop. So I'm, I'm going through laptops. You know, usually if if I make if a laptop makes it two years, it's lucky. So <laughs> I'm constantly upgrading my laptops and stuff. So yeah, um, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that writers don't realize that that they can deduct. Um, let me do another uh, quick ID break here. This is Orlingus with Timber Dalton, and um, you're listening to Blog Talk Radio. The website here is blogtalkradio.com backslash Timber Dalton. That's Timber with a Y. My guest tonight is um, author. Michelle Zerlo, and you can find her on the web at michellezerlo.com, and that's spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-E-Z-U-R-L-O.com. Um, and we're talking about her upcoming releases and recent releases tonight. And so if you're listening to this after the fact, you can hit her website. You can um, hit her author page at Siren and uh, find out you know, more about what she's writing in her different series that she's got out. Um Let's see, and for those of you who are in the chat room, if you want to listen to it again, it'll be available for download. Usually within 10 minutes after the show ends, Blog Talk Radio has it up for download. So if you want to catch it and, and re-listen to it, or if you came in late, you can listen to it. Um, okay, so let's see here. Um, I think, boy, we've covered a lot of area tonight. See, this is this is now, I remember when we were first talking, you were kind of nervous about coming on here. You were you were a little hesitant to, to, to do a radio interview, if I remember correctly, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm one of those people that if I'm nervous, I tend mm-hmm. to just say dumb things or stick my foot in my mouth somehow. It comes out wrong. So, yeah, I, I, I was very nervous when you, when, you, when you first kind of put that out there. Well, let me tell you what, you have been a fantastic you have not put your foot in your mouth once. It it is you have definitely this is this has been a fun interview and I really enjoyed having you on tonight. I definitely want to have you on again too once we I mean we're not done yet, but I'm just saying when when you get another one out, anytime you want to be on, feel free to, to contact me and we'll we'll get you on again so that we can I I like to, especially my fellow siren authors, I love to give you guys, you know, props when I can because I've had um I've had uh, uh, Sophie Oak on here, and oh my God, I'm having fibro fog tonight. I was on, I was on Chris's show, and I can't remember if I actually had Chris on here or not. Now, oh God, that's horrible. Chris Crook, uh, or Chris Cook, rather. Um, oh my God, that is horrible. Somebody tell me if I actually had Chris on the show or not. I know I was on his show, um, but I've had, I've had. Um, I'm pretty uh, sure you did because I think I saw it on your 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 blog when I was looking at it. I'm pretty sure yeah. I listened to part of it. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember if I had him on or I know I was on his at one point in time. But I'm just, you know, I I love my. We personally, I love Siren. I mean, I'm I'm with several publishers, and I don't have anything bad to say about any of them. But I mean, I always joke. I say Siren is my cash cow because I I do, you know, make the bulk of my income with them. But they have always treated me 
fantastic. I mean, I love Siren. I mean, that has been my experience. That's why I tell people, submit to Siren because they are fantastic, you know. I mean, yes, they handle a niche, kind of, you know, they have, you know, it's romance rockets. They don't do, you know, mainstream, you know, mysteries and, you know, horror stuff. It has to have the, the romantic elements and stuff to it, erotic elements. But I love them. I mean, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, they're great. They great. Mm-hmm. I yeah, haven't they... had an experience with another publisher yet, but um, I haven't, I guess I haven't really felt the need to because, they're so easy to work with and they they're they're very, you know, eager about my work and you know, it's all very nice and professional and even when I have had kind of like a, a, a glitch kind of thing, it's been taken care of pretty quickly and, and nicely. So yeah. They're they're pretty nice. I mean I've heard people say, you know, they've they've had horror stories and I'm not really one to listen to a horror story because I don't like horror. But um mm-hmm. I haven't had a bad experience with them. Yeah, that's that's in my sense that they've been great. And I always tell people, don't hesitate to, to submit the siren because they are fantastic. They've been great to work with. Um, I do have a question for you, Olga, in the chat room. She would like to know, what program do you use to write your books? Do you use Word or what do you use? I use Word. Um, mm-hmm. I believe I have Isn't 08. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. That's the one I have. Uh-huh. Um, and AJ Johnson is asking where in Michigan do you live? And if you're not I live in Highland. exactly where, in a Highland. Okay. I'm not I'm not familiar with Michigan, so hopefully AJ knows where that is because I don't I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Florida girl. I have no idea. Never been there, so I can't <laughs> even begin to tell you where that's at. Um I could I could not handle snow. I really couldn't. I just I I have no. I saw my first snow last year in Yellowstone, and I have no conception of what living in that kind of environment is like. I just none. I mean, I don't and understand see, it. I've been to Florida twice, and uh-huh. I hated it the first time because it was June, <laughs> and it was really really hot. Mm-hmm. And in Michigan, we get we get a couple weeks like that. Mm-hmm. But then it's generally, you know, mostly it's nice. My favorite seasons are spring and fall because it's not too warm, it's not too cold. I like it around between 65 and 75. I'm perfect mm-hmm. with that. Um, I, I don't love the snow, but, you know, I, I live on a beautiful, well-kept pond with ice skating, and I've got a very nice sled hill in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ski, but <laughs> if you ski, there's yeah. lots of skiing around, um, snowboarding, things like that, you know. And then in the summer, there's tons to do, too. Um, The second time I went to Florida was actually just um, at the beginning of this month. We were down there for spring break. And it was nice at the Mm -hmm. beginning of April because, you know, we had – it was basically nice weather. I think the highest it got up to was about 85, Mm -hmm. which is about my limit for as warm as I can stand it. (laughs) See, now, when I have been out west in the summer, it's like people say, oh, yeah, you know, Florida is so hot. And it's like I go out west, like, you know, in South Dakota, I've been through there and everything. It's like I nearly die of heat stroke because I am used to, I mean, we're a skinny state and we have cool sea breezes. So you get in the shade and literally the temperature will drop 15 degrees and you've got a cool breeze. It's not a warm breeze. But there it's like 
you got this warm breeze. And it's like I was always miserable. I was like, oh, my God, how do people stand being in this? Because I, the heat and the humidity, the, the humid heat, I should say, doesn't bother me. But one time I was out in Arizona, Mesa, Arizona in July. Oh, my God, I thought I was going to die. It was like 114 degrees. And I was like, everybody's like, oh, well, it's a dry heat. And I'm like, yeah, so is an oven. <laughs> <laughs> this was not fun. This was not fun. Um, okay, we have uh, Olga saying, um, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry, she was answering uh, Sherry. Because Sherry said she was in Wisconsin, and Olga was saying she had fr uh, friends in Fond du Lac. Um, John in the chat room wants to know, what's the weirdest question you've ever been asked as a writer? Hmm. Weirdest question. I don't know. I I guess I don't think any question is weird. Mm -hmm. It's because, you know, I spend my day with 13 and 14-year-olds. <laughs> I get asked weird questions on an hourly basis. Uh, oh, my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, how do you handle teenagers? I mean, that, I mean... Uh, God bless you. I mean, that takes a special kind of person right there because I couldn't do it. I would end up in jail for homicide. I mean, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, how do you, how do you, is that just something you just have to have the kind of the, the temperament for it or is it training or a little of both? Or how, it, I mean, it's temperament because my degree is in elementary education and I actually started out teaching preschool and I liked it, mm -hmm. but I didn't love it and it was pretty draining and I just I just said, I, I want to be with kids who I don't have to deal with their bodily functions. So <laughs> as I went through my teacher ed classes, I, you know, I moved up. I tried out like second grade and then third grade and then fifth grade and then sixth grade. And I thought, well, I kind of like sixth grade. Um, and then I did my student teaching with sixth grade, and I really liked it. And then I got a job teaching seventh grade, and I loved it. Um, and then I did that for a few years, and then I taught sixth grade for a few years. And I think this is the first year I only have eighth graders. But, I mean, I I love what I do. I love my students. I I guess it does take a special kind of person because if you don't absolutely love kids that age, you're not going to survive in the middle school. They will eat you alive. And I seen them eat teachers alive. I've seen kids who are angels for me be so nasty to other people. Wow. I mean, I guess it depends on your relationship with the kids. We've got AJ in the in the chat room said the best way to handle a teenager is with gloves and duct tape and then Olga chimed in, How about a cattle prod? I know my my son turned Sometimes. fifteen, and I I love my son, but it's like he turned fifteen, and it's like okay, pod person developed. It's like all right, where's my where's my son? This is this is a mutant. This is a teenager. Where's my child? So I mean, I love him to death, but it's like ah. oh yeah, they you know it's funny because I can't tell you the number of meetings I've had with a parent and a kid, and I see that going on where the kid is. I want to be my own person and have an identity separate from you and the parents like, but you still have to do your homework. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I, I see that push and pull all the time. It's very, it's, it's very, very interesting. I just, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. I mean, I, I couldn't see myself giving that up. Um, I think my idea of 
of probably what would kill me would be to teach third grade or even mm. kindergarten. I have I have twins in second grade, and I just don't know how their teachers do it. Wow. Twins. When, when, wow. I, when my girls have friends over, it's like, mm-hmm. really? Go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would wow. That that would that would definitely be uh that would that would probably put me over the over the edge into the net hatch right there. That would ooh. I mean I just I don't know. I I love kids but I I mean I, I don't think I would have the the personality or the disposition to be a teacher. I said, I, I mean, my hat's off to you because you don't get enough pay or respect, but I mean, oh my God, I, I just, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I really could not do it. I would end up getting fired or sued or, you know, incarcerated for murder, or, you know, assault at the very least for strangling a, a parent, if not the child for strangling the parent for being Stupid, you know. I mean, because you, I, I mean, you've got to come across that every so often. I mean, you just got to come across parents that just should not have bred. I mean, I would imagine. <laughs> well, yes, you don't actually have to take classes or get a degree or any kind of training to be a parent. So you, you do run across that, and sometimes it is heartbreaking when you see mm-hmm. those kids and they don't care because their parents don't care, and there's nothing you're going to do to make them work. They like you and they'll behave, but they're just not going to actually do any work. So, I mean, that is heartbreaking to see, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, you, you hope you make you hope you hope make a little bit of a, a dent in that shell because, you know, when they get to 13 and 14 and that's been their life for 13 and 14 years, it's really hard to get them to, to see that they are worth something and that they can be something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that is a little disheartening. But I actually work in a, a pretty nice area with mm-hmm. um, very nice students, and, and most of them have very supportive parents. And so really what I see is, is you know, a few kids here and there, but for the most part, I mean, they're good kids, you know. That's and and it. living in the community matters. I mean, I had a kid who was getting bratty with me today, and I'm like, your mom works downstairs. She's really yeah. easy me to contact (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) and then his friend stuck up for him and i said i have your mom's phone number on my cell phone (laughs) Ooh, Uh, speed dial (laughs) wow well listen we're we're coming up to it's almost time for for us and we're down to like one minute left and uh this has been a blast i am so glad that that you did decide to come on the show tonight. And once again, I want to remind everybody, um, I've had Michelle Zerlo on, and her website is michellezerlo.com, and that's spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-E-Z-U-R-L-O.com. And she's got a new release coming out in May 11th. So make sure, everybody, you get over to Siren's Book and, um, and, and get over there and take a look at her releases. Get over to her website and uh, show her some love. Come on, guys. You know you want to. Um, but thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to have you back on when you when you have some more releases come out. This, is, this has been great talking to you. Well, thank you so much, Timber. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, and thanks every day, uh, for everybody, bah, 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 for everybody uh, for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to say 
uh, good night. You've been listening to Oralingus with Timber Dalton on blogtalkradio.com. The website here is blogtalkradio.com backslash Timber Dalton. That's Timber with a Y. Um, AJ's asking to the next show. I don't have it scheduled yet. Um, keep uh, uh, posted on the – keep hitting the refresh on the uh, website, you know, the next few days, and I'll have it listed on there. Um, thanks, everybody. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, good night, and have a good one. <laughs>